You're listening to Connecting the Universe from Mike Ricksecker and ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Welcome, everybody, to Connecting the Universe. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker back at you with another interactive class out of the secret library of the Connected Universe. We have a uh, really fun uh, class and show for you this evening. We're going to be uh, we're going to be diving into the the ancient ruins, ancient sites uh, that we have visited along the way. I don't know if anybody has seen the new Indiana Jones movie. Uh, Jen and I saw it last Thursday, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So if this is the way Indiana Jones is going out, uh, it it was it was pretty good. It's a good way to go out. So I thought I would kind of well naturally piggyback on that because people do. Uh, be, it's it's the hat. It, it, it's the hat. Uh, people will say, "Oh, you know, Indiana Jones." Oh, it's it's not his hat. His has more of a fedora. This is a this is a Tilly kind of squishable. It has that same style to it. Sure. I know somebody's probably going to ask me to throw it on. But before we get into all that, just want to throw out there real quick, those listening to the podcast version of this later, uh, whether that's on iHeart, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, you can even listen to this on Audible these days, or the syndicated shows like on X Network, KGRA, KPNL, those locations. If you're listening to us later, please, we invite you to join us every Wednesday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, although... This one's actually live on uh, Friday this week because of the, the holiday week. Uh, but we invite you to join us everyone tonight, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on the uh, Connected Universe portals, connecteduniverseportal.com. Or you can uh, watch the public version out on the YouTube channel. That is youtube.com slash at mricksecker. Uh, but on the portal side of it, of course, you get all the, well, you get the after show. Uh, but you also get all the sneak peek and behind-the-scenes videos. A lot of stuff out there uh, right now with the new book coming out. Uh, you're getting some uh, sneak peeks of that. Uh, get all the travel vlogs. You can get some taste of that this evening with some of the clips that we're going to be showing. And then uh, all kinds of articles and other information back there as well. So ConnectUniversePortal.com. Do want to invite everybody out to have a book signing here coming up. The new book is coming out August 1. That is Travels Through Time. It's inside the fourth dimension, time travel and stack time theory. That's out August 1. Pre-orders now available. I have the link down in the description for those watching on YouTube. And uh, first book signing is August 12th, Bell Mansion. 1, 1 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. I invite you out for that as well as Star, Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour that's in april get the link to that on my website micricksecker.com and you'll be getting tastes of that this evening as well 
All right, let's see. We've got uh, <laughs> several people in the chat already and Jen down there. No spoilers. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to give away any spoilers. I'm just saying it was Indiana Jones was a fun movie. Uh, Crow Mill S. We're going to watch the film tomorrow. Have fun, definitely. And uh, Ulf Lundberg in the house from Sweden. And Tina, great to see you as well. Yeah, I know it's Friday night. Uh, a little bit different evening for us. And, uh, yeah, here in the States, we had our Independence Day on the 4th. So, and we basically just did like a whole extended weekend with it starting last Thursday watching Indiana Jones. So, all right, let's get to our class question for this evening, which was, which ancient site would you most like to explore? This is a shot of Saqqara with another little pyramid that's kind of off to the side, uh, which is just a mud brick pyramid. Now, basically, and here you go. This is a great illustration of you know the the far far ancient peoples building that massive huge step pyramid and then the more recent people trying to mimic it with the little mud brick and it just falls to ruins so in any case to answer that uh let's see tom mcnicholas said the black pyramid in alaska uh so would i so would I. I'd like to go check that out and, and figure out and find out what the exact truth is on that. I did write about it in my book, Alaska's Mysterious Triangle, but you know, it's the details are so scant. Um, you know, we really don't know a whole lot about it. Jin threw down Abu Simbu, Machu Picchu, Stonehenge, several different locations. Uh, Great Wall of China, she threw in there. So, uh, yeah, those would those would all be wonderful locations. We'll have to start adding those. To the list as well. I know Abu Simbel, we've been to Egypt a few different times. The problem with Abu Simbel is how remote it is to get down there. So you basically have to do all day for just the one location. Uh, and it's it's a smaller location at that. So that's uh so Muhammad tried because to do the tour some Muhammad Ibrahim. He tries to stay away from it, although I think Jin, we're gonna have to press him on one of these tours. So, all right, so let's go ahead and dive into this this evening. Like I said, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, we're going to review a bunch of clips from different locations and, you know, kind of ask the question, you know, is exploring these sites like we do when we go to Egypt and some of these other locations, you know, is it similar in some vein to what we see on Indiana Jones? You know, I mean, of course, that's action adventure. You have some of these you know, crazy high-speed chases and, and things like that. Uh, we're, we're not we're not always doing that, of course. Um, in fact, we're rarely ever doing that. <laughs> there are some locations uh, that may be a little bit more dangerous than than others, and, uh, and and in those cases, you know, we have some protection that comes along with us. But you know, we've never we've never gotten into a shootout or anything like that. Um, but you know, just a year ago, right now. This is where we're going to start this evening. We were in Ireland and we were exploring a lot of the different ancient castles there. We were visiting uh, ancient stone circles and it was really just a wonderful, wonderful time. And uh, first up was Hellfire Club there in Ireland. So we're going to start there and then we're just going to you know, roll into a bunch of other locations, answer your questions along the way and uh, provide some color on uh, you know, what it is like to explore these different locations. Of course, everybody wants to know about all of the 
ritualistic practices that happen in here. And really, it's all speculation. We don't know anything for sure. But the story goes that within this building, these different politicians and influential people would meet here. This is a hunting lodge, you know, way atop the city. A lot uh, longer to get here back in the day. But they would meet here and they would wheel and deal, convene, have these different ritualistic practices to seal those deals. Stories of animal sacrifice, human sacrifice, and... I don't know about that, but as far as like the sexual rituals and things like that, those are said to have happened here as well. So like, you know, some, some dark magic sort of things. Welcome to Hellfire. Is that what you're looking for? <laughs> of course, a place like this, you can really see is like a seat of power. So if you're ma making those deals and uh, putting the, the wheels into motion of what's going to happen down there. You're overlooking the city, and you're setting into place uh, those those policies, those machinations of what you're going to set forth um, as far as the political scheme of of the territory. You can see the whole thing right here. You can imagine those guys saying, "Well, you know, we're going to set this in place and that in place right down there to see the power." So that's one of the fascinating things about going to these locations is you hear the stories you hear the stories you watch the videos it might be a doc documentary on something that you're able to watch it's really really different when you actually step inside and you're able to walk around and a number of these locations you're able to just like that in hellfire walk around it's up on top of the hill free rain to roam around the thing. It's absolutely awesome. Now, there's other locations around the world where you can't do that, where you have to kind of stay away, like uh, Stonehenge these days. You know, you're you're not able to really go up to the stones anymore. And we tell stories about, yeah, you know, back in the day, you used to be able to camp there. And uh, yeah, you can't really do that anymore. So a place like Hellfire is wonderful because you're able to walk around, explore to your heart's content up there, which is amazing. And uh, right behind there, this is also an interesting thing, is you know, around the grounds there, it's a beautiful, beautiful wooded area that you know, when you hear stories of the fairies, and that's an, another great thing, actually getting to these locations is you can see and understand and actually get a feel for you know, why the, you know, how these stories came about, you know, why they believe some of the different things that they did. And picture can only, you know, show you so much. Actually being there and experiencing it is very, very different. All right, we're headed down the creepy dark. Oh, my God, that is freaking dark. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <Deep brain. laughs> it's like, you weren't kidding. Hey, Jen. Where is my golden arm? <laughs> well, it was so dark, Rupa. I hope they weren't lying. That could be a lie. Oh, come on. I mean, how bad can it be? Come on, Nikki. We're in a group. We're Actually, in a group. the, the Wookalars are going to get us. Anybody remember what a Wookalar is? No. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. And the plane disrupts it, but still enjoying the path and we have yet another amazing path to get lost down 
No. Well, because then you'll find yourself in the fairy realm, and when you come back out, that is when you will find it to be 125 years later. And they'll be like, oh yeah, we heard of that group that got lost in the woods years ago. It was an urban legend. We actually did get lost back in there. We started going the wrong way. We came out kind of at the bottom of the hill, we found a road, and we turned right when we should have turned left. And fortunately, there was a person that found us and realized that we were going the wrong way and pointed us in the right direction. So yes, you can get lost on these adventures in some of the, the bigger areas. Uh, I did see the question here, uh, Tina, where is the book signing going to be? That will be at Bell Mansion, Fort Wayne, Indiana, August 12th, 1 o'clock to 5 o'clock p.m. Um, oh, and I see that Jen actually answered that right here. So thank you, Jen. Tom McNicholas is in the house. He is on break. And Sarah Yusuf has joined us as well. Here to see uh, our keepers of the connected universe down in there. Fantastic. All right. So, yeah, Ireland was uh, was really, truly amazing. I'm going to have a couple more clips here from that. But, uh, you know, some of the, my gosh, some of the photos that I got from there of the fairy woods, it was like the most beautiful wooded area. And I grew up with woods behind my house, like a nice big area in Massachusetts. And the colors during the fall up there, you know, that can't be matched. But in Ireland, the greenery in the woods there, that can't be matched. Uh, and this is just like, you know, and that's got to be like one of the most beautiful photos I've ever taken, at least you know, in, in my personal opinion, I just, it's, it was beautiful. Um, could not get enough of that. And just exploring out there is, is amazing. So yeah, when, when you're exploring on some of these different adventures, you never know what path you might end up on, what road might be taken and what new and interesting things you might be able to find, you know, even with our, yeah, Egypt trips, uh, even though it's like, okay, we're doing Stargates of Ancient Egypt too. It's going to be different than the last one we did. You know, and the last one we did was uh, different than the one we, we did before that. So we'll get into a little bit more about the Egypt stuff here uh, in, in a little bit. So I'm not going to uh, hit every single uh, location that we ventured to in, in Ireland. We did a whole Ireland recap on that. Posted some of that here on the uh, on the YouTube channel. All of it's back on the uh, Connected Universe portal site. So you can definitely look into that there. So uh, one of the more interesting locations that we visited. Now, some of these you know, were castles and you had a guided tour and that sort of thing. And some things you can get into other places were off limits on those guided tours. But then we had, like Hellfire there, things that were opened up to us. And it was just free reign. And one of those was a place called Temple Michael. There was a you know, old church as you walk into it with these you know magnificent Gothic headstones. Um, I should have brought up a photo of that. Um, I just made an Ireland post on my social media, so you can take a look at it there. But um, the castle that was back behind there was just ruins of a castle. And again, we had like free reign to explore all of that and so you know in that case uh, in cases like that that's where you start feeling more of like you know the you get the indiana jones vibe you know you're you're in an ancient ruin you can basically climb all over and climb through it as 
you know, to your heart's content, of course, be safe about it because it is a ruin and it is falling apart. So let me show you Temple Michael. All right, Temple Michael Castle. Not much of it left. But, uh, yeah, 12th century is what it dates back to. And uh, they say at one point it was a Templar stronghold. Very, very cool. Take a look inside real quick. This is, uh, say, a little dangerous. Good find. I did not see this when I was out here earlier. This Rapunzel's tower? <laughs> Very short Rapunzel. <laughs> yeah, there's more down there. <laughs> keeps going and going. It keeps going and going. Now watch how to get down to that walkway and see the tower from down there. There's Anne. You are now part of the video blog. Hello. Say hello to the Connected Universe portal. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> this is really cool, huh? Yes, it is. This place just keeps going and going. So we found a little tower off to the side of there, which actually overlooks the water. This is some other side building, which has two chambers, plenty of windows that are all overgrown with ivy um, a little graffiti but not too terrible and then you know the other chamber back in here this place is freaking amazing again another one that I could just like soak in forever yeah again that was a real treat just having free reign to explore it and uh judy wilson's in the house she says not much left but still amazing to see yeah it's it's crumbling it's falling apart it's one of those where you would love to have seen it in its heyday when it was all built up uh but there's still a real coolness factor to being able to you know crawl through all these old rooms with the vines growing over everything and uh yeah so there is there's definitely a thrill in all of that so uh when you're exploring ancient ruins you could tell you know of course we keep harkening back to um indiana jones because that's kind of the theme of this um of course there's a thrill in his explorations well you know and again that's hollywood uh but it's definitely thrilling to be uh kind of traipsing through some of these different locations again we're not getting you know chased by anything but um, uh it's just amazing and and just you're awestruck at some of these different locations so um i have one more here from ireland lep castle and many people call it the most haunted castle in ireland and you know, we had a decent amount of rain to be able to uh to walk through now, sean ryan the owner still he actually lives in the castle and uh, shows you some various rooms and places you can climb up through the castle and that sort of thing and this is the clip on the bloody chapel which is why people call it the most haunted 
castle in Ireland. It's a very, very cool location. But in that particular day, it was very peaceful. <laughs> and you'll see why. You'll see why. Okay, up here in the what's known as the Bloody Chapel of Lep Castle. And the reason why it is called the Bloody Chapel is this thing back here. The Obliette. And yeah, better not fall out the window. So basically the Obliette, the original purpose of this was that if the castle was being raided, usually where some of the most valuable items were, were inside the chapel. You had your you know, gold chalices, your, your gold crosses and, and things like that. A lot of your religious items were the more valuable type of items. And so what you would do in the event of a raid is you would toss them in here, seal it up, and really it's almost kind of like a secret passage. We actually saw a secret passage at Charleville. Well, they told us it was there. We didn't actually get to go through it. But basically this was a secret entranceway into a pit where those valuables were, were hidden. However, the castle wasn't always being raided. You know, it was like a every once in a while thing that would happen. In the meantime, you're ruling your area. You have your little, not really kingdom, but uh, fiefdom, for lack of a better term, I guess. And uh, sometimes it might be a nefarious person or, I don't know, maybe somebody you didn't like. Uh, maybe somebody in the household wasn't uh, treating you nicely, whatever the deal was. And well, years ago when they were excavating this thing, they found several skeletons. So this ended up being used as a murder hole rather than the traditional uh, use of an obliette. So that's why they call this the Bloody Chapel. It's also the elemental on the premises, which be I believe um, dates back before the castle to the time of the Druids, that the Druids would have conjured this up as a protector of the land. And after the Druids were wiped out, well, the elemental is still around, probably an earth-type elemental. And that is said to be seen here on occasion on the premises. Alep Castle and uh, Tom McNicholas says, Ohio Mike in the Castle of Doom. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate that, Tom. Uh, Judy asks, I had heard there's a familiar there and that it has a bad odor when it is around. Did you see or smell anything? No, uh, that was actually, it, it was extremely peaceful location. Uh, again, people you know, like to call it the most haunted uh, castle in Ireland that, you know, there is supposed to be the elemental there, you know, evil things, all of that sort of stuff. It definitely, if it does occur there, it definitely did not occur there while we were there. It was actually very peaceful, quiet. You had the sunset uh, coming through the windows. The light was spilling in. It was very comfortable there. And then uh, for a special treat, uh, Sean... Uh, he brought in his daughter and, uh, you know, he's playing the flute and she's dancing. She's a river dancer. And uh, I'm not going to play that clip here, but uh, yeah, that was just an amazing treat on top of everything. So um, yeah, 
it's it's funny because everybody talks about that being like you know the most haunted and it just really wasn't for us <laughs> so and jen says uh, his daughter was my favorite part of the tour yeah yeah that was uh, that was pretty awesome so in fact we were just posting about that we still have our group chat going on from last year's tour from ireland and uh you know people are posting about that particular dance uh in the chat today so it's pretty awesome that we've been been able to uh keep in touch like that so all right so we're gonna go ahead and move on a little bit kind of work our way down uh, on the globe and before we went to egypt this year we made a stop in at paris and we visited the catacombs and the catacombs you know, when we're talking, you know, Indiana Jones type stuff and you got skulls and crypts and uh, catacombs, right? All of that sort of stuff. Um, this in a lot of ways was like that, but it had a very reverent feel to it as well. You know, you're realizing as you're going through these passages where all these skulls are at that, um, you know, these are once people that had lives there. So let's go ahead and uh, we'll play this particular clip. Descending down into the Paris catacombs. really see but this is the older section 1787 so these are the old limestone quarries from when they mined the limestone way way back in the early Paris days this was actually outside the city limits now of course it's within but um, so that's what they ended up putting all of these bones within. But these shafts go on and on and on. There are actually you know, restricted sections that you can't get into. But even as we're going along, there are gates that are locked that have other passages filled with, with bones. It's all lit up. We have some photos of it. Um, so it just keeps going on and on and on. The ossuary, but also, of course, the old mines. If you've ever seen the movie As Above, So Below, they film, they're the only movie that's been allowed to film down here in the catacombs. And uh, they did get into, uh, and they filmed in that restricted area. It's really interesting. The bones down here represent over 6 million people from the city of Paris transported, transplanted from the cemeteries to down here. And this is a massive ossuary at this point. It started with the cemetery, the Innocents, and that started overflowing into the basements. It's macabre, but better than just dumping the bones down here like they originally were. 
Yeah, it's uh, again a very reverent location. Um, you know, realizing you have six million people down here, and uh, Judy's asking, you know, why do all that? And basically, it was because the cemeteries at the time in Paris were overflowing, um, like literally overflowing into the neighboring buildings and and all of that. So uh, they decided to exhume the bodies and bring them to the old mines which were at that point in time on the outskirts of Paris. These days, well, the city is encompassed that area and far beyond. But at that time, it was you know, outside the city. So you know, they decided to uh, go ahead and you know, relocate the bodies down there. And I mean, you're talking their bones at, at that time. Um, there were, I will say there were a couple fresh ones that were put there, like Robespierre. Uh, he was guillotined and then taken straight down there but uh, most of them were just exhumations from uh, from a lot of the city graves and they you know they were marking them you know which years which uh cemeteries that they came from and all that you know still paying their respects and then basically and i forget the guy's name but basically there was a uh an artist that came in to put them into all of these designs and it became it became an attraction so uh quite an interesting place but uh yeah that was one where you know we were down there for a little while and then you know there's a big crowd because you go in a slotted time and as the crowd kind of moves on you know, we were taking a lot of photos and everything and it got quiet that's when you just really got the vibe really got the vibe and people do ask you know is it musty down there or whatever and you know, they have airflow it's a, it didn't really have like a you know pungent musty smell or anything like that so um but you could definitely feel a vibe down there okay let's move on to egypt of course because we have uh done egypt a couple different times here and uh you know when you start you know talking about going on an adventure <laughs> and exploring uh, when you start crawling through those pyramids that is absolutely exploring so we're gonna do some uh pyramid ones here we have some temples and uh that's when it really starts to feel more of that you know indiana jones vibe as you're like climbing through passages you know you've got to get on your hands and knees and crawl through stuff and some of them are very challenging the first one here um in the clip and i'm talking about it within the clip with the bent pyramid it is actually more challenging than the great pyramid because of the the steep angle even though it's a smaller pyramid oh don't get me wrong bent pyramid is freaking huge uh but because of the angle of it, it makes it tougher and you gotta you know climb down this one passage you gotta go you know, up a, uh, well, they've put scaffolding with some stairs in place. Uh, then there's another little passage you have to crawl through, and it's just like all kinds of crazy. And then as you're looking around, you're like, wait a minute, I'm doing all this crawling around, but there's actually some really, really significant uh, history that's embedded here, lost technology uh, you know, from these ancient civilizations. So let's go ahead and get into Egypt and the Bent Pyramid. Okay, here we are back at the Bent Pyramid. They deliberately bent the angle at that level. We used to call unknown reason, but now we know because they wanted to have certain effect. 
effect or certain function happening inside. Going backwards into the shaft of the bit of hairpin. It's the second time I've done this, and I will tell you, Stairmaster. Stairmaster is the way to prepare for this. It is steeper than the Great Pyramid, even though the shaft is shorter, which actually makes the Great Pyramid easier. So what's fascinating about this, and we see it also in the Great Pyramid of Giza, the corbelled structures inside. So you have an entire corbelled shaft. You have a another corbelled shaft that looks like the Grand Gallery, that looks like the niche in the Queen's Chamber. And once you go up all of that, the passageway that takes you to the special chamber, but there's another corbelled ceiling there. So this was a very uh, harmonic machine. Yeah, it is very windy out there. That's Dasher is the name of the location. You have the Bent Pyramid there. You have the Red Pyramid. And then you have a military installation, which they call Egypt's Area 51. And within there is the Unfinished Pyramid and what they say may actually be a working Stargate. So um, we're going to talk more about that another time. We'll definitely talk about that on the Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour coming up in April. And Sarah had a question regarding that. She has, I have a feeling there are things in there that are musically based. We'll be doing sound experiments on the Stargate tour. Yes, um, we have done uh, sound-based experiments on the Stargate tour before. Um, we Even the first time that uh, that we were out there, or that I was out there. <laughs> Mohammed's been Mohammed lives out there. Uh but uh yeah, I had the uh, chromatic tuner with me. I had the um the tuning forks with me. We were doing a lot of different experiments uh out there. So yeah, when you look at those uh those chambers and the, and the way that they are corbelled, it's you know, it's something that you would use for a type of sound technology. Now what exactly they were using that sound technology for? that's where the debates come in. You know, was it a power plant? Was it a microwave tower? Was it uh, something else? You know, there are a lot of different ideas as to what it may have been. I will say, I do believe it was some sort of machine. So was it to provide power as far as electricity? I don't know. Um, I do believe that it was doing something to raise the resonance and vibration of the surrounding land. The most important thing to the Egyptians were their crops and then, you know, of course, their well-being. So I believe it had to do more with that to be able to provide a positive energy for them to be able to survive in what's really a very narrow area uh, along the Nile River. You know, there's only... 7% of their entire land that is actually habitable. <laughs> so um, they're really, really confined to a, a specific space and they have to do as much as they can to be able to survive there. So um, so Jack is asking, dates for the next trip. Yeah, I'll throw that up here again real quick. Stargates of Ancient Egypt tour is, let me get the graphic up here. That is 
April 17th to the 28th, 2024. And uh, all the information for that, those that are uh, tuning in later or listening to the podcast later, what have you, you can go to my website, MikeRicksecker.com and get the link there. Those that are watching on YouTube, I have the link in the description below. And then those that are part of the Connected Universe portal, um, you have the information right there on the portal site. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be another amazing tour. So, yeah, let's get into the Great Pyramid here a little bit then, because that's always the big one that people talk about. Um, Christopher Dunn has his Giza, Giza power plant theory, and that's the one that people always point to. I believe the Bent Pyramid uh, certainly has a similar type of technology because you see those those similar structures there within the pyramid itself. The red pyramid does too. I haven't been inside the red pyramid yet, but I've seen photos. And again, it's different when you actually go in. So I'm going to you know, elbow Mohammed this time. I'm like, I want to get into the red one this time um, and, and check it out for myself. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead and take a look at uh, the, the Great Pyramid. The subterranean chamber is very cool. But for me, and this starts off with the subterranean chamber, which is why I mentioned it. But for me, the key is the queen's chamber. And even though everybody points to the king's chamber and the coffer that's in there and all that, to me, it's the queen's chamber. Okay, we are here at the Great Pyramid, about to go inside. <laughs> subterranean chamber. So that clip there was a combination of the the last two tours going in there. And with our tour, you know, we do have uh, just to ourselves, our little group, two hours, the Great Pyramid of Giza. And the whole thing gets opened up to us. So we go down to the subterranean chamber, which is uh, normally closed off to the public. The Queen's chamber is kind of hit or miss. A lot of times they do have it closed off to the public. Every once in a while they open up, but that's opened up to us. Uh, a lot of times with, with the public tour, it's just in up the Grand Gallery into the King's Chamber and back down. Uh, but the whole thing is opened up to us for that. And to me, the Queen's Chamber is is the key. This is, this is the smoking gun, like literally, okay? Because this niche that is inside the Queen's Chamber the traditional archaeologists will say, well, there was some sort of idol or something that was that was placed in there. And it's like, okay, sure. We've seen alcoves and things like that in other historic structures where they would put like statues and things like that. But again, this is that corbelled structure that you see in 
a lot of the other pyramids we saw in the bin pyramid this is actually very reminiscent of the grand gallery which we're going to see here in a moment but on the back wall of it you can see scorch marks from some sort of fire and that fire was so hot that it actually melted the rock you have vitrification here it turned into molten rock you can now you can see it right there it's you know plain as day that's something extremely 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 hot was taking place there so with christopher's dunn's theory uh he was saying that this is a chemical reaction chamber okay you know that, that there was definitely a reaction that was happening there so i'm definitely open to uh to the idea for sure uh, so that was the Queen's Chamber. Let's go ahead and take a look at the King's Chamber and then the, the Grand Gallery. We're in the King's Chamber in the Great Pyramid. This is a rose and granite box that is truly interesting. Not sarcophagus. And what is the purpose of this thing? What discovery did you make today? Well, the discovery that we made today we have the three holes on the back side, evenly spaced apart, but not on the front side. This is completely flat here on the back side, while we have this lip. It goes all the way around here. We don't know why it was built like that, of course, but very interesting that this is flat like that and does not have a lip like the other side. It basically suggests that there was no lip that was placed straight down. Back. All right, looking down the grand gallery, just, you know, Jen is over here, so Jen, she is, um, even she was saying she feels like she's in a factory, and yeah, really, you know, I don't know about power plant, which is, you know, Christopher Dunn's idea, but definitely some sort of factory. To me, the Queen's Chamber just, like, epitomizes that, but even in the King's Chamber over here, the rose granite has been turned black. You have marks up on the ceiling from you know some sort of chemical reaction that was going on in there that made those marks and it looks like the the box is nicely lined up with that and then of course you have big resonance chambers like this yeah that's another interesting thing about the the king's chamber is i, I think whatever was happening there down in the queen's chamber is filtering up through the gang, grand gallery and then collecting in the king's chamber. And that's why it turned black like that. But what's even more fascinating is when you look up at the ceiling, there are these dark marks that are like evenly spaced that are darker than the rest of the ceiling. And, you know, they kind of come in from the edges and are pretty perfectly lined up with the, uh, with the coffer that's there. Now, Traditional archaeologists will say that, well, this was the sarcophagus for the king. One, no bodies were ever found there. Two, it's not built like other sarcophagi throughout Egypt. And this is something that I have just, um, and Jen even remembers, like when I was, when we were at the Louvre, I was going through the Egyptian section looking, okay, where are the sarcophagi, where are the sarcophagi, to see if there were any other ones that are built like that in the Great Pyramid. There is one other that I have found like that. It's the second pyramid. <laughs> the second pyramid has a similarly built coffer like that. Um, but there are no you know, sar sarcophagi in which we have actually found mummies uh, that we actually know came out of tombs. 
um, they are not constructed like those coffers in those pyramids. So those were different constructions or older, which even the ancient Egyptians said, hey, we, we found these structures here. We repurposed them. So what the original intent was for them, again, that's where we start getting into this was some sort of factory or machine or something like that. And, you know, Jack is down here saying, yeah, a bunch of guys built that with bronze tools. Sure, I believe that. And see, that's the thing. There's a lot of this stuff was built uh, out of granite. Now, the Great Pyramid is a combination where you had, <clears throat> excuse me, two different limestones and then uh, rooms like the uh, like the King's Chamber was the granite. And yeah, uh, bronze tools, copper tools, stone tools. Uh, yeah, they could not carve that as perfectly as those things were carved. Uh, you know, it's interesting because, um, so my dad was a machinist and, you know, I'm taking back photos to him of these, you know, pieces of granite that, you know, you just go down the hill from the Great Pyramid past the Sphinx and you have the Valley Temple and there are, you know, old lintels that are lying there on the ground that, you know, at one point had been, you know, up on the roof. And you're looking at this and it's like, you know, this looks like crown molding in my house, right? And it's made of granite and it's huge. It's like, you know, bigger than the table that I'm sitting at right now. It's just a little fragment of what had once been up there. And it's perfectly sculpted radii, you know, perfect all the way down, which you're not going to get with hand tools, definitely not copper or bronze, and you know, certainly not stone, which is what they try to say the obelisks are made out of, you know, passionate with dolmite, round dolmite stones. You're not going to get that uh, with this. You're not going to get perfection like that. And yet there it is. It's like, yeah, I would know how to take a piece of wood, put it up on, uh, you know, use a router with, you know, uh, built into a table and, you know, run that across uh, two different times. You would have to, uh, you know, flip it, of course, use two different bits and get that. It's like, um, yeah, but, and so I'm showing my dad that stuff. And there's other really interesting, significant cuts that you see, uh, like on actual sarcophagi where they were cutting off, uh, the lid of the sarcophagus from the back side of it, because they wanted to keep the same, the same energy throughout the whole piece. And it's granite. And, they were not supposed to have saws, according to traditional archaeologists, yet you see the cuts from, you know, two circular saws, one on either end, cutting through this thing, and they stopped. Who knows what happened, but they stopped the cut. And this is in the uh, Egyptian Museum in Cairo. And you look at that, th those were two circular saws right on top of each other, cutting granite. So I'm showing my dad, I'm like, hey, dad, you know, if you wanted to cut that piece of granite in your basement because he's got he's got a whole workshop down there. If you want to cut that piece of granite in your basement, what type of blade would you get for that saw? And he's, of course, acknowledging, yes, circular saw, give him the cuts. He's like, yeah, I'd, I'd get a diamond tip blade. <laughs> you know, they were not supposed to have that back then. So, yeah. Um, and then uh, Jack is also asking if people ever reported uh, seeing shadow people at the pyramids. Actually, yes. Uh, over the years, 
Paul Brunton in the 1930s reported seeing uh, shadow people. In more modern times, uh, Freddie Silva's talked about seeing uh, when there was a time that he and a group were, had been in there when the lights went out and they were doing some energy work within there and they claimed to have seen these uh, light beams come out of the walls. So you've had reports of both kinds or several different kinds uh, coming out of there. Judy's asking, do you think somehow uh, Edward Lee Scanlon found how to do this? Well, that's what he claimed, is that he had discovered the secrets of the ancients. And, of course, after he passed, most of his papers were uh, confiscated by the government, kind of like what happened with Tesla. The little bit that we do have and is still remaining that the public has access to uh, did talk about magnetism and magnetics. So... Again, we still don't quite know how he did it. You know, he had that big tripod with a black box. We don't know what was in the black box. People reported him seeing uh, these two cone-type objects. We don't know what those were. So we don't know how he did the whole Coral Castle thing. So, um, yeah, and Judy, they wrote down everything they did from their daily lives. You would think they would have left information on how they built these and how they work. And that's the thing, is that you don't find that because these were built before the dynastics. The dynastics Egyptians are the ones that wrote everything down. But you don't find any documentation on how they built the pyramids or what they were used for. Uh, where you do see a little bit uh, on the pyramids is, I mean, they do recognize later on, um, you know, pyramids existing, and being there, but they don't ever say anything about building them, okay? And then where you see a little bit more is like far what they uh, basically call um, ancient Egyptians, the uh, primitive Egyptians, sorry. When you find like real old pottery, uh, paintings on ostrich eggs and things like that, and there is a great uh, huge ostrich egg in the Nubian Museum, in which has the three pyramids with the Nile River coming down the side. And now this, if you look at the traditional years, this ostrich egg is supposed to predate when uh, traditional mainstream archaeology is saying that the pyramids were built. Well, that doesn't make any sense because here's this ostrich egg that is showing them there. So... Oh, we could go on uh, at length about this, about all of this. As it is, it's going to be a little bit of a uh, longer one. But um, yes, there is a lot of things to explore there uh, in the in the Great Pyramid and the other pyramids surrounding. Uh, so many secrets. And of course, we do get into that sort of stuff during the, uh, the Stargates tour. So speaking of Stargates... This was a discovery that we made on this last trip. Now, Mohammed had already been looking at these particular glyphs, the hieroglyphs, and at Dindara, at the Temple of Dindara. And he didn't really realize how extensive they were, so start finding a whole bunch more. You'll see here in the clip. Back again at the Temple of Hathor in Dindara. Space, space what? We call it space what? Spaceship. 
Why we don't call it space rocket? Because the ancient Egyptian represented ships sailing on the sky. All of these ships are sailing on the sky. This is the sky and this is Earth. This shape is what we call it D. Now we can see five stars and that simple jet in the middle. So that is D with five stars jet. Different samples, many stars now that I can point to. Four, eight, eight, twelve stars. I think this man also, but unfortunately, the scene is destroyed. I didn't see this one. Oh, oh, this is too much. It keeps going. Right, wow. and the other one. See, yeah. Yeah. we didn't see this before. Right around the other side. <laughs> yeah, one with nine stars out here. Nice. And actually, this here is also Stargate, right there, the little symbol right there. Oh, we got more over here. We made good discovery, my friends. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a uh, really fascinating moment, finding uh, all of those glyphs. And the follow-up on that, of course, is determining, because people have been asking, they've been asking great questions. Okay, what you know, is there something with the number of stars? Is there something with the, like, one is of the Jed Pillar and the stars that are above? Is there some sort of relationship there? So uh, that's kind of the follow-up and the continuing research is trying to figure out you know, what the relationship is between those glyphs, the stars, and all of them together as a whole. And again, you have, you know, the earth and the sky and everything depicted on the ceiling. So this is like a massive Stargate room. So that's continuing research that we are are doing there. So a lot of people ask about the Dendara light bulb when we, when we go to uh, Dendara. And so um, I have a clip here from Mohammed to explain that. And then we're going to get a little bit into the crypts that are there which is very Indiana Jones-ish. So we see this design starts with Lotus. Okay, and this man, not one man, there are two men, mm. one behind us, are holding the, this design and there's the snake in the middle. And here we have two things, a symbol of jet and a, a person doing something like this. The same design, here, the lotus, the two people, the same person rubbing his hand and the symbol eternity. Wow. Okay? So let's count. One, two, three, four. Okay? And two, th these two designs are not touching each other. So I call it the moment three before creation. This is the, I see the creation moment. So let's see, see the other world. So remember how many figures we count on the base? Four. Let's count again. One, two, three, four, five. What? What happened? Why five? And one design. So these two designs combined together, creating one. Okay? But as if two plus two created five. So this one we saw, this one we saw, these two we saw. This is the new one, female figure. This is male, male, female. Okay? And now the uh, the, the jet symbol was 
supporting the beam of energy first there and then now it goes went through and supporting the I don't know this is the human DNA or this consciousness or this is eternal uh, uh, energy it can be explained in many many ways you also have the Ka supporting the energy here right how does that play into it because don't forget the Ka is as if it, if it was also serving uh, the connection between the uh, limited and the unlimited because not everything limited not everything unlimited and they must deal together so that is the way to tell you that we find the coordinator okay. yeah so according to Mohammed the uh, Dindara quote-unquote light bulbs are more of a creation story because when you see that depicted and I guess ancient aliens is uh, running a kind of best of episode tonight and i saw in their commercial that they're, they're going to be talking about this they really only ever show you know the one wall where it has the two the two light bulbs they they usually don't show the other wall that has the one and so he's saying that basically these two are coming together to create the other one which is you know really interesting and fascinating but where that's at is actually under the temple in what they call a crypt it's not like when we were looking at the Paris catacombs, there weren't bodies or anything like that there. there were, they were passages underneath the temple that had this ancient esoteric knowledge that was you know, really almost kind of hidden away. It was out of the public eye. This is stuff that's actually you know, more of um, you know, the ancient archaic secret sort of stuff because it's not easily accessible like that. And so uh, the first time that I was there, they had just opened up uh, another crypt there. Basically, it's on the other side of the temple from the the one with the uh, light bulbs. And they told us we were the first ones down there. First time it had been opened up in 20 years, and we were the first ones down there. And so you're walking along, and you know, it doesn't have the light bulbs or anything like that. It's got other freezes and things like that down there. But what I noticed was that there were there were things that were missing. So... You know, here's one of the, uh, and this is kind of what it looks like. It's just a, it's just a long passageway. Uh, they have a little, a little step ladder to get down in there. You kind of have to crawl for a brief moment, and then you're able to kind of stand up in there. You got to hunch over a little bit. Maybe um, some people that are shorter can stand up freely in there. Uh, but it's just a long passageway that ends, and you have all of this artwork along the sides, except in this newly opened one that had been closed off for 20 years and this is very indiana jones-ish you see these chisel marks there are large blocks that were taken out of the walls and these chisel marks I and mean, there's no patina there you know those are relatively fresh you can see the whiteness of the chisels so these were recently removed and i'm noticing this all up and down the one hallway, the one crypt that we were in. And it's like, what in the world is going on here? So when we got back up, I asked one of the guys, I was like, you know, what's happening down there? You know, why were the blocks removed? What's going on? And he's like, oh, we can't pull me aside. Private collectors. Basically, what happened was over those 20 years, as they were quote unquote restoring, they were removing the blocks out of there, the kind of power pieces 
the ones that had that secret esoteric knowledge that there are people in this world that want to get a hold of anything that would be considered ancient power because they want to have that sort of power for themselves. And so you had people bidding on those particular pieces. They left some down there for the public, the, um, the stuff that's not as secret and esoteric, and they took away the quote-unquote power pieces. So, which is, again, that's the type of thing that you see in uh, in the Indiana Jones movies. So that's something that we witnessed there that is very much like what you see in those films, people that are going after that power. So we're actually at the, uh, we're actually at the end here. Yeah, it's gold, gold monkey idol all over again. Uh-huh. Um, and Jack is uh, Muhammad. Yeah, uh, you'll find him under Guide of Egypt. So um, you'll find him on Facebook and Instagram as well. I mean, he doesn't do near as much as I do on social media. Um, but you'll you'll find uh, that he has you know uploads of you know, some video clips and some photos and things like that. So um, so you can definitely uh, check out what he's done on other tours and things like that. And you know, he's also been on some different uh, tele television programs and, and what have you. So um, yeah, he's definitely uh, out and about out there on social media. So I do have two other clips I wanted to show that are from the American Southwest, not actually in Egypt. And we're right at our hour mark. So um, we'll go ahead and extend this a little bit. So these are a couple of clips I tried to show earlier this year when we came back from our uh, road trip out west. And for whatever reason, just the audio cut out like a little way into the clips. I want to re-show them here because these are actually some very, very cool places. Chaco Canyon, one of my favorite places here in the States, and Montezuma as well. So let me go ahead and play the first one here from, from Chaco Canyon. And I do apologize again for, for the wind. Um, it's very, very windy there at Chaco Canyon, kind of like the, the Bent Pyramid. Basically because it's like, well, with with uh, Bent Pyramid, Dasher, it's like an open plain where Chaco Canyon kind of funnels that, uh, and, and there are no trees there, and it kind of funnels that, wind down the canyon so here we go back at pueblo benito this is really one of my favorite historical locations especially in the united states a little bit windy out here i know hopefully the microphone will be all right but um yeah this is some place that i had always wanted to get out to if you can believe originally inspired by the tex murphy video games from the 1990s um in one of those you actually come out to these ruins and uncover some of the secrets and when i played that it was like oh man this is a place that i really want to get out to and finally three years ago i was finally able to get out here spent about six hours in chaco canyon five of them right here at pueblo benito there are a lot of secrets here to uncover and kind of did that and um, taking Jin through here today she's off meditating perfect place to meditate i hope she found a good spot <laughs> but uh, we're going to walk through this a little bit today and then explore some of the other areas of chaco canyon that haven't been able to explore before but right over here on the uh, on the wall the petroglyph wall that's where you find the uh, petroglyphs for the star people so when i've talked about in the connecting the universe classes about um you know, about portals star people the uh the spider 
natural patterns that's, that's over there on those walls. And we will go explore those here in a little bit. But let's go ahead and get inside Pueblo Benito. Okay, so behind me is one of the great kivas. That's the great kiva of Pueblo Benito. Uh, some of the other locations also have great kivas like this. And so what we can see here, you know, we can see, you know, some sort of, whether it was an ancient well or maybe a fire pit to do some work. Some people believe the little, uh, the little alcoves there had uh, idols in there. We don't really know. Some people believe that uh, those spots were actually places where they would put uh, things like wood beams uh, to either create a roof. Some people believe that this was domed. We really don't know. Um, some people even believe this was a place where they, they called upon uh, the star people, like from the, uh, the petroglyphs that, uh, that we were talking about earlier and we'll get to here a little bit later. And a strange dichotomy. And we're now coming up to <laughs> what I like to call the, uh, the hot tub kivas. So this is not the hot tub, but it has a similar architecture where you have these pillars on the side here. Again, not really sure what they were used for, but definitely different than the great one back over there, the one that we just came from, which was bigger, wider, deeper, had other things in the middle. These, you have these pillars, they're smaller, right? And then this one, here, here's my hot tub, right? So you have the pillars again, and they're further down in there, but then you have this channel down there that is like, what in the world is the channel for? And that's why I was like, okay, maybe it's a hot tub kiva. <laughs> you know, it's a round structure like a kiva. You know, this actually has that, see, it's round, but this almost has the, like that, that keyhole type of uh, design to it. We see across the world uh, interesting locations where something that we relate to a keyhole has been uh, has been built there. You see a lot of these like out in Japan. So back behind me are these are the important petroglyphs. This is the petroglyph trail, but number eleven here on the on the trail is where we get the spirals and the stories of the star people. Now, according to ancient legend, these people from the stars came down and gave knowledge to the peoples here. Again, the site is astronomically aligned. Spirals are supposed to represent the portals from which they traveled from to get to here. So, um, and we see stories like this all over the world. Here we are in the American Southwest. Similar type of story. Star people, spirals, passing on knowledge. It's very, very interesting that we find the same exact thing right here. So back behind me, more petroglyphs. I have to credit Jin for this, for noticing on the walls, kind of like we're back in Egypt and she's noticing all the stargates. So uh, petroglyph of a snake. Now it's not even marked here on the ground. They've been putting markers where all the different petroglyphs are so you can take a look and see what they are. The petroglyph uh, of a snake. And remember what snakes represent. Energy. Represent energy. And this is like within, I don't know, 50 feet of where we saw the petroglyphs for the star people and the portals. So, are we seeing a similar thing here as we did like in Egypt where you have the energy powering the portal so that people could travel through the stargates? 
Okay, last time I did not make it out this far. I came down a couple of stairs in the structure, and look, this is like a whole underground area of the kiva. You can see, maybe, um, you know, the round structure, the round kiva, and um, really given an idea here of how big this structure really is. This is, well, we have underground stuff here. I wonder if there's underground stuff over at Pueblo Benito that we don't know about. But then the height of this, when we come back up, and this was really surprising. And that's, it, it continues to go up. That's, that's the Kiva. That's what we just saw underground there, coming up to here. So these could actually get very, very tall. Yeah, it was really almost like a silo, and I wish I would have gotten a better shot of the underground part of it. Um, really, really fascinating. And yeah, when it comes to the petroglyphs there, you know, I look for connections, you know, connected universe. And we see these different connections all over the world. So on the walls there, you have the, the spiral patterns. It, we see that symbol all over the world, including ancient Egypt. We see it in Ireland. We see it in Sardinia. We see it all over. And we also saw it in the legends of Atlantis. To me, it's it's a memory. It's a memory of that lost civilization. Now, with Chaco Canyon, they're actually saying this was the, their symbol for the portal. And again, in these other locations, you know, one of the stories that is the stories that are routinely talked about, portals, people from the stars, this sort of thing. So they're saying, hey, these star people use these portals to come here and impart knowledge upon us. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. You see those connections all over the world. And again, you look at Pueblo Benito and a lot of the other uh, structures there in Chaco Canyon, and you know they have those circle kivas all over the place. And again, we're seeing the circular structures in other places around the world as well. So very, very important uh, keying in on that. So I have one more clip. This is from Montezuma as well. And, uh, and then we'll go ahead and, and wrap it up after this. Back here at Montezuma's Well, I always find this place interesting. There's fascinating legends associated with it. Of course, you can see the cliff dwellings uh, right into the walls, um, similar to Montezuma's castle. So definitely obvious relationship between here and the castle site. Of course, the legends are that those peoples uh, originated from here. Now, and just pop out of the ground here, although in a way they did, in that when the great cataclysm happened, that they fled here, that this was an open hole, and there was a civilization of different peoples that lived here under the ground. So my former co-hostess, Victoria Monday, would talk about, you know, hollowed earth, which is perfectly fine. These are the quote-unquote ant people. Uh, somehow, some way, they resembled ants, and um, our former... Our colleague who passed away here um, not too long ago, Clifford Mahuti, uh, Zuni elder, had a lot of really interesting tales about the ant people that lived underground here. Basically, they helped these people survive during the cataclysm. And when things had subsided and came back and were normal, they literally came up out of the ground and then they populated the different areas, notably downstream there at Montezuma's castle. Um, of course, you can cliff dwellings there. There are also dwellings here. Uh, within the rock, come back around here a little bit. You can see the dwelling down there, and then actually all through here, you have the dwellings as well. Um, now, 
there's graffiti there. So a local photographer is trying to um, uh, basically, you know, do some marketing. But um, they had a beautiful scene of you know, this area here where their origin stories were. Now, the water itself is actually very toxic. There's only five creatures that live within there that are original to here. <laughs> you can only find them here. Uh, they've basically evolved to survive the arsenic in the water here. And nobody can get down there. Anything that ever goes down, people, probes, whatever, always gets pushed back up. Okay, we're down here at the river. This water here is all the way back down to the castle area. And basically the waters there, which is on just the other side of this wall, that are a part of the, um, that feed basically the well, are the same waters that feed here. So when they migrated southward up and down the river, they were still tapped into the same waters as their origin story. Now, something that's also really cool here, besides the fact that this is a nice, this very cool, serene area, the walls here have silver in them. So, if you look here, you see little veins of silver throughout. Now, of course, you know, this being a national park, you can't mine the silver, but um, it, it's another you know, conductive metal, another conductive mineral that feeds into the whole thing. You have the water, you have the limestone, now you even have silver. That makes this a really, really very uh, special area, uh, especially for, for those uh, native indigenous tribes that have uh, their origin stories that date back to here. So, you know, what the truth of the matter is with that story, we know there's some sort of grain of truth to it. We're never going to know what all the details were, but you know, we know that we do know that there's a cataclysm. We know that there were people that came along to help and save other people. We do know that people lived underground in different areas of the world during those times. So it does make sense for that to have happened here as well. Yeah, and again, it's it's finding those connections that uh, you you find the cataclysm story there. You find the uh, you know, stories of there's just a handful of survivors. You know, you have uh, some people that are helping there. You have the stories of living underground, which, you know, we're, we find similar stories all over the world following the uh, uh, global cataclysm like that. So you find those different connections. And, you know, when in any of those uh, Indiana Jones movies, they're always showing the map. You know, he's going from here to here, you know, following the trail, following the clues. Maybe he's chasing after someone or maybe he's getting chased, but piecing the clues together from one location in the world to another. And that part is is very, very real where you find these connections uh, all over the world. All these different civilizations were connected some way, shape or form, even though they really didn't realize it. Uh, maybe the very, very ancients did. But um, as you know, time went on, and a lot of the detail was lost over that time. They kind of forgot, but you know they were all connected uh, at one point in time, and we're coming across a lot of that uh, today. So that is going to do it for this particular episode of Connecting the Universe. Get my hat on here. <laughs>
We'll go on another adventure here very, very soon. So last couple of comments. Um, yeah, there was an interesting vibe there, uh, Judy. I mean, that whole that whole American Southwest uh, has an absolute vibe. I, I really, really enjoy it. Uh, of course, Sedona's right up the road. Um, you know, literally, it is it is you know straight northward from there, like about oh half an hour. Yeah, it's so it's all it's all right in that same area. Uh, absolutely love it. So there's a lot more to do and explore there as well. So this was just kind of a smattering of a lot of the different adventures over the last uh, few years here. So do want to again uh, let everybody know that the link to the tour is in the description below stargates of ancient egypt april 17th to the 28th 2024 uh, on youtube link is in the description those listening to the podcast later can just go to microxsecker.com and you'll find that uh, that link there and then of course i have the new book out or uh, coming out august 1st travels through time we do get into a little bit of this information in this book uh, I do talk about uh, some things from ancient Egypt there. I do talk about some things from Chaco Canyon there. Uh, so some of those details are in this particular book. There is going to be a second. Uh, well, this is part of a new series, Connecting the Universe series. And the uh, the second one in that series will be on Stargates of Ancient Egypt. So be on the lookout for all that. But August 1, you can pre-order it now. Link is in the description. And all right. Uh, for our Connected Universe Portal members, we will go ahead and kick over to the after show on the portal. So I will see uh, all the portal members over there. Everybody else, have a great night. Till next time, time really exists. <laughs>